Welcome to the Highland Church Podcast, where we share biblical teaching to glorify God and to bless you. This year, we're talking about my part, God's plan. God has a purpose for you, and that purpose is a part of God's bigger plan for the world. Now, if you connect with what you hear today, I hope you'll join us online Sundays at 10 a.m., or that you'll join us on-site right here in Memphis, Tennessee. Now, let's jump into today's teaching, and don't forget, you're part of God's Good morning, church. I know you've heard this already this morning, but I am thankful that you're here. It, it is a special morning. It's the greatest morning, and I'm thankful that you would share it with us. You could have been anywhere this morning, but you're here with us, and so I'm thankful, really, really thankful for that. You're, you might be our guest this morning. Maybe you're joining us online. Maybe you're our guest somewhere else, and you're just tuning in this morning. I want to thank you, and what I want to do this morning is I want to introduce you to the person you're sitting uncomfortably close to. Okay? Now, I'm not, I'm not going to tell you everything about that person that you don't know. There's some things that uh, they don't want you to know. But I'm going to tell you the most important thing about them this morning. Before I do that, though, let me just say two things. One, you already heard about this. Tomorrow morning, especially for our guests, I want you to hear this, but also for, for our Highland family, tomorrow morning, the Highland elders, shepherds, are going to be here from 6.30 to 8.30 a.m., right out there with donuts and coffee. And we would love to just pray over you if you've got something on your heart. Maybe that's what brought you here this morning. You came with something on your heart. I pray that you come tomorrow morning. Just let us pray over you before you start your day tomorrow. Let us just say a prayer over you. And then if that is you, I mean, if you've got something on your heart that you can't shake, I want you to come back next week. That's what we're talking about. That's what we're studying. What do I do when something's got a hold of me? That's what we're talking about next week. Let's pray as we get started this morning. God, I praise you. I praise you for what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. God, we celebrate, we glory in his resurrection. God, we know that it was the weight of our sin for which he died on that cross, that it was the weight of your glory and power that raised him from the dead three days later. God, we thank you for that. And our lives are different because of it. God, I pray in the power of Jesus' name that you would speak through me this morning to bless somebody that's here that needs to hear it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I was putting my three-year-old down for bed the other night, and um, I was praying over him before bed like we always do every night. And we pray for his brothers. We pray about events going on in the world. We pray for his mama, who he loves so much. And then we end the prayer like we end every single prayer every single night. I say, but Lord, above all, we thank you for Jesus who died for us. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I kiss his little head, I tuck him in, I walk towards the door and he says, wait, Jesus died? <laughs> I'm like, where have you been, dude? <laughs> not only is he in church every Sunday, not only do I pray that prayer every night, but you're the preacher's son. You've got to know this, okay? I wanted to say all that. I didn't say that. What I said is, yes, buddy, but he's not dead anymore. Now, he doesn't know a lot about a lot, 
but he knows that's not how dead works. I said, buddy, he's alive now. He's alive. I told you I was going to tell you the most important thing about the person you're sitting uncomfortably close to this morning that you don't know, the person that makes this church their home, and this is it. That person believes he is alive. That person believes that by the power of God, Jesus was raised from the dead and that he is alive now. Journalism back in high school, my teacher taught me, don't bury the lead. The most important thing, lead with it. This is it. We believe he's alive. We know it. Now, if you're our guest this morning, you just stumbled in this morning, maybe you've been driving by forever, you just drove in this morning, or your mom invited you to come, she promised to cook a pot roast if you come and bring the grandkids and dress them in pastels. Okay. You decided to come, and you may be thinking to yourself, how do you know a thing like that? How do you know a thing like that? An impossible thing. Nobody comes back from the the dead. And it happened 2,000 years ago. I mean, how can you know that? And I think there's two reasons that we know. And the first is what we might call the evidence. I call it the historical evidence evidence for the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I mean, that's part of the reason we know. That's important to us. Many of us have spent a lot of time studying that historical evidence, like journalists going back and trying to piece it together. That's really important to us. That's one of the reasons we know the historical evidence. And then there's the second reason. We know he lives because something else. Somebody laughed at that. In fact, when I told Russ, I was like, I want, I want you to build this slide, and I want it to say something else. He's like, okay, what do you want it to say? <laughs> like, something else. Okay, and this is Easter. It's when you're supposed to put your best foot forward. How impressive is that slide? We know he lives because of something. I want to talk to you about these two things, but I want to spend most of the time on the second one, that's something else. Let me talk to you just for a second about the evidence. I think it's worth talking about that together from time to time. We don't, we don't spend our time just kind of going over the ancient evidence all the time for the resurrection, but there is really good evidence for the resurrection. If you were a journalist or an investigator going back, I think there is great compelling evidence that you can find for the resurrection. One of those things is that there are four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John written by four different guys in different times and different places, all about the life of Jesus. And they all agree, this guy was raised from the dead. In fact, that's why we're writing all of this down, because his story did not end in death. He was raised. Now, let me just point out, four biographies about a guy in history is more biographies than you have about most of the figures you read about in your history book. Four guys who write about him and confirm he was alive. It's not only Christians who write about this. Pagans and Jews also wrote that Christians believed that he was alive. Which is to say the people who had the most benefit from disproving the reality of this claim acknowledged they think he's alive. And all they had to do to disprove this claim was to produce one thing, his body. 
In fact, Christianity explodes overnight in Jerusalem. Thousands of people come to faith after this. We read about that in Acts 2 and Pentecost. In Jerusalem, in the place where the body should have been, all they had to do to stop it was to produce the body, and they can't find it. They can't find it. That's all they had to do was to produce the body. And then, of course, you have the accounts. Because, you know, this would not be the first missing body in the history of the world. But then you begin to have hundreds of accounts from people who claim to have seen him. That's the difference. There are 11 appearances of Jesus in the Gospels and in Acts in the New Testament. He appears to a handful of people. He appears to hundreds of people at the time, many of those people in Jerusalem. So think about this. The place where Christianity is exploding because of the claims of the resurrection, you didn't just have to believe it. You could talk to somebody who had seen him, who confirmed what they saw. Okay, now some people will believe crazy things up until the point they have to pay for it. And that's the point at which they typically stop. And yet hundreds of these people who saw Jesus died for what they saw, which is hard to explain unless they saw him. And then maybe, maybe most important of all, none of this was a flash in the pan. The resurrection of Jesus was predicted in the Old Testament. Jesus himself says, you might read Luke 24 this afternoon, that he will die and be raised three days later to fulfill all that was written about him in the law and the prophets and Moses. Because you start putting all those pieces together and the evidence is really strong and there's more to it. And so, you know, when I say that we know Jesus was raised, for some of us, you know, kind of the intellectuals among us, that evidence is really significant and important, but I'll tell you, it's not the most important thing. The most important thing is something else. The other reason that the person sitting beside you this morning knows he's alive. Come with me to Romans 6. I'm going to show you that something else. The context of Romans 6 is baptism. Now, maybe you're our guest this morning, you don't know much about the Christian faith, you don't know what baptism is, but baptism is what is done to you when you believe that Jesus is, present tense, meaning he's alive, that he is the Christ. When you believe that, you're baptized into the water behind you, you're lowered down into that water, and you come up out of that water different. And Paul's going to describe why that is, what you're being baptized into when that happens, and what about you is different. And look at what he says, this is Romans 6 verse 3. Don't you know, now pay attention, this is a different kind of knowing than the historical evidence. It's a different kind, pay attention. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? I'm going to tell you the most important thing about the person sitting next to you. All of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, and we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may what? Live a new life. It's the power of the resurrection happening in our lives. Let me read on. Most important passage in Scripture maybe right here next. I say that like every week. But Romans 6 verse 5, For we have been united with him in a death like his, 
and we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. Pay attention to what he's saying right here. He's saying that the person next to you knows Jesus is alive because they feel him. Because they experience him. Because they're united to him. And they can't explain that in any other way except to say, that on the other side of this feeling I have is someone who is alive. Let me try to make sense of that. I was at a soccer game, watching one of my boys play soccer the other day, and this mom walks up, and her daughter, who's about 10, 11 years old, is walking behind her, and her daughter has these two babies in her arms. She's 10 or 11 years old, she's got two babies in her arms. She's walking up with these two babies, and I kind of do a double take at the babies, and they look so real, but they're actually dolls. And um, I think Lindsay or one of the other moms asked her about these dolls that she's carrying. And this mom just proceeds to just talk about how wonderful these little dolls are that cry all night and you got to feed these dolls. And they're just teaching her daughter these motherly instincts. And she's just so bonded to these dolls. It's just amazing to see. And what she doesn't see behind her is that her daughter has dropped something on the ground. She doesn't know how to get it. She looks at the babies. So she just puts this one in a headlock and takes that one puts it in a headlock, reaches down and grabs it, and then she just starts watching the soccer game. And so the two little bottoms of those babies are sticking out right here, and she's just got them in a headlock. And the mom's just like, oh, she loves them so much. <laughs> yeah. You know, how different that is at the same soccer game. We got a family here that's fostering a little boy right now, and this church cares a lot about adoption and foster care. They were at the same soccer game. They've got a couple older kids, two of them little girls. And the whole soccer game, those little girls are carrying around that little foster baby, that boy. And they're just holding him like he's the most precious thing, kissing him on the head. How different the connection between those two. What's the difference? Life. Life. I can't explain the connection I feel to Jesus, except by saying, he must be alive. I know it. I know it. Now, you know, if you are our guest this morning and you came from the pot roast afterwards that, that mama's making and stuff, and you're thinking to yourself, like, that does sound pretty cool. If there is a God and he is alive, I mean, that'd be nice to be connected to him, but I'm just trying to pay the bills, I'm just trying to get my kids down every night. I'm just trying to be happy, you know, to keep the peace in my house. If there's a God and he's alive, I mean, I think it would be nice to be connected to him, but that doesn't seem that important to you. You know what I mean? You know, you, you, you make your life about the stuff of life. That may not make sense to you. The, the philosopher Charles Taylor says, we buffer ourselves in with what's all around us, what's immediate to us. You know, our job, our kids, our work, various things like that, going to the T-ball league, all that stuff, we just buffer ourselves in and we make our whole life about that stuff and we find meaning and purpose in that stuff and that works until something pokes a hole in the walls we got built. Maybe it's some diagnosis. Maybe it's someone's death. And like pokes a hole in this bubble that we've had. And when that hole gets poked, we're left asking, is there not something else? 
something more? Lindsay and I were watching this documentary the other night. Maybe you've seen this documentary. It's about this couple in Los Angeles. And they have this vision. They want to go and they want to start a farm. And they want to kind of turn around this dilapidated piece of property north of L.A. I mean, it's just been ravaged by drought and bad farming practices. And they're going to go out there and they're going to restore Eden. They're going to build this just beautiful farm on this 200 acres of property. And they're not going to use any pesticides. It's going to be all natural and organic. It's just going to be beautiful. I mean, it's a compelling story. And they have this guy, this expert in organic farming who comes to live with them and help them to turn around this piece of property. He becomes so close to them and they're just working side by side and they're seeing this beautiful restoration take place on this piece of land. And then the guy dies, has terminal cancer, doesn't tell them about it. And you know what their response is? They're mad. They're mad at him for dying. You, know, you think like that kind of purpose, restoring this piece of land, doing it all naturally and organically, I mean, you think that would be enough to make your life meaningful and fulfilled, and it is until it's not. And you wonder, isn't there something else out there? Well, the Bible is really clear on what the something else is that there's something else beyond death that's reaching back into this world, this power from beyond the grave that is reaching back into our world, changing our lives right now. And this is, this is how it's described. Look with me in this. This is Ephesians 1, 9 through 10. This is what we read there. That we know God's big plan. We know the thing beyond death that's reaching back to us. And this is it. His big plan is to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. And then this is what Paul says in Colossians. Let's go to the next one right here. He says this in Colossians. He says, for in him, Jesus, all things were created. In him, all things hold together. And through him, he's going to reconcile to himself all things. That's what God's doing. Or look at this, our next passage in Hebrews. Look at this. He says, his son, Jesus, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the whole universe, is sustaining all all things by his powerful world. This is what, this is what we're reading right here. Okay. There's something else out there. That ache you feel for something more, we actually know what it is, and it's Jesus. That Jesus has this gravitational force pulling at you. And your life will ache. Your life will be unsatisfied until you are united to the one you are supposed to be united to. And that through that unity, through being in him, you experience this power of resurrection that changes your life. You all remember that ice storm that we had a few months ago? Terrible ice storm, limbs and trees down everywhere, power out across the city. A buddy of mine lived in a neighborhood that, that did not lose power for the most part. But he had this big old oak tree in his backyard. And as that ice starts building up, he starts watching those limbs falling from the oak tree one after another. And finally, one of those limbs falls, and it does not hit the power line draping between the houses in the backyard, the power supply. You know which line it hits? It hits the line that runs from the power supply to his house. Hits that line and knocks it down. His power goes out immediately. 
I'll tell you what, it is, it is bad to live in a house without power. But it's even worse when everyone around you has the lights on and it's just you. And it's then in that moment, it's like you don't realize how much you rely on that power until you don't have it, right? But when you don't have it, what you realize is that this house was built for power. Right? It was built for a refrigerator that keeps things cold. It was built for a stovetop on which I cook. You know, it was built for a, a heater and air conditioning to keep me comfortable in the house. I'll tell you what, the moment he's looking out and everybody around him is lit up, filled with power, and he doesn't have it. He sees what he's missing. You know what I mean? He sees it. In fact, he called me up. He said, Eric, I think I'm just going to get out there and tie it back on. Don't do that! <laughs> Not... Not the right plan here. Okay, look back at this passage with me again in Romans 6. Let me show you this. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death, and we were therefore buried with him, baptized into him, with him, into baptism, into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. So this is, this is what the resurrection means to us. It doesn't only mean that one day I'm going to heaven, that I'll be resurrected after I die eternally. It means that power of resurrection reaches back into my life and transforms it. And I realized the something else I've always been longing for is him and his power in my life making me new and different. That's actually the thing and the only thing that'll satisfy that ache for something else. And so I told you I was going to tell you the most important thing about the people beside you. This is it. They know he lives because they feel him and their lives are different because of him. Their lives are new. Because the same power that raised Jesus from the dead changes them every day. Paul writes about this. Paul says this. He says that when this power is at work in us, this is what he says actually. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So this is what happens when you're united with him. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We're perplexed, not in despair. Persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down, not destroyed. Inwardly, we're renewed every day. I've shared before, and I shared this recently, when we entered the pandemic, I was really anxious about that in terms of, you know, how does a church make it through a pandemic? You know, I have all these people all over the place who I know are going through different things, job loss, illness, all these people I want to connect with. I just can't connect with everyone. Our shepherds are trying as hard as they can. They can't connect with everyone. And my fear is, like, how are they going to be okay? The message of Scripture is they're okay. They're not alone. He's going to renew them every day because he's alive, and the power that raised him from the dead is working through him and each and every person sitting beside you right now. That's how we made it through. I'll tell you a story. There's a brother here whose who's hearing is a bit compromised. His hearing uh, is not great. But he's also having trouble with his eyes. He keeps going to the eye doctor, and the eye doctor keeps telling him it's getting a little worse every time. 
And so I was talking to him the other day, and I, I asked him, how, how are you dealing with that? You know, you already can't hear too well, and your, your sight's almost gone. He said, oh, Eric, I'm fine. He said, if I never see anyone else or talk to anybody else, I'm not alone. I've got Jesus, he said. I don't know that I need a lot else. Inwardly renewed, day by day, when united to him. I'll end with this story from C.S. Lewis. In the silver chair, this girl, Jill, she wakes up in a land she's never been to before, a mysterious land. And what wakes her up is the sound of water, rushing water. And it wasn't until she heard the sound of that water that she realized how thirsty she was. You know, it was the sound of the water that made her realize what she needed. So she gets up and she goes to try to find the stream where this water is so that she can drink from this water. She comes to the stream, but there on the other side of the stream is this great lion. Huge, biggest lion she's ever seen. Golden and powerful and terrible, she says. Scares her to death. And the lion looks at Jill and he says, come and drink. And she says, will you um, go away while I do? And he just growls at her. And she says, um, will you promise not to do anything to me? And he says, I make no such promise. And she says, do you eat girls? And he says, I've eaten girls and boys, women and men, kings and emperors, cities and realms. And she says, then I don't think I'll drink. He says, then you will die of thirst. And she says, no, I think I'll find another stream. And he says, child, there is no other stream. If today you find yourself feeling called by something else, I'll tell you, I know who it is. It's Jesus. And you could go looking for satisfaction and meaning and fulfillment. You can go looking to quench that thirst somewhere else. But child, there is no other stream. The person sitting beside you knows he lives because they feel him. They are united to him and his power makes their life new every day. That's what you want, really. That's the something else. And if you are not drinking from that stream, if you are not united to him, I would love to baptize you into him today, into his death and resurrection, that you might be united to him and live a new life right now. I would love to do that. Let me say a prayer over you, and if that's you, come talk to me. God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your people gathered here together with us. I thank you for your body, Lord, that wraps around this world. Above all, God, like I pray every night with my boys, I'm thankful for Jesus.
that he died for every one of us. But God, he's not dead anymore. He lives by your power. And because of that, God, I can be connected to him. I can feel him in my life. And his power can fill me. I pray that someone here, God, might make that decision this morning to finally unite to the one calling to them because, Lord, we believe there is no other stream. We pray all this in the name of your son, Jesus, who lives. Amen.